How are you guys doing out there today? Wonderful to have you. Two things before we get started. Check the show notes for the free mini course by Wrap Your Head Around Silks. Always there for you uh, to easily register. And then also, I am the guest artist choreographer for Womack and Bowman's Silk Stars in the month of April. It's a subscription site that they do for intermediate to advanced aerialists. So if you guys are in that category and you already subscribe, wonderful. I will see you there and in person during the Q&A. And if you're not subscribed, I have, Carrie Wee has her own code. So it's in the show notes. You can subscribe. It opens for uh, new subscribers this week and they only open twice a year. So check that out. Today we have Brett Womack, the one and only from Womack and Bowman. He is my boss, and he suffered a shoulder injury over the pandemic that really became a journey for him. He partially tore his anterior labrum and ended up getting surgery. So I'm really excited for you guys to get to know Brett and um, and hear his story. Let's get started. Uh, so my podcast listeners, this is Brett Womack. I know him as my friend and my, my boss, but um, what I think is so special is, Brett, you don't normally talk to, like, in person, talk to the world. No, no so <laughs> no, I feel like um, there's going to be a lot of people just interested in um, getting to know you and hearing your perspective on things. Um, so Brett with Rachel Bowman, they own the the loft in LA. Uh, Womack and Bowman is also the Instagram that you probably follow. They have Silk Stars, which I'm going to be the guest teacher of in April. That's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. We just Very we just exciting. shot that last week. And for the subscribers, you guys are going to see me teach a combo on there. And um, and Brett actually, you know, he's a performer first, an aerialist first. Um, and then him and Rachel opened up the loft. How many years ago, Brett, has it been? Oof. Has it been eight years, nine years maybe? Maybe now? eight or nine because I've been – working there for probably six or seven, mm-hmm. which is bananas. And uh, they've built this this amazing aerial community here in LA. They have um, an aerial community across the world digitally. And uh, yeah, so they've done all the things. Like they, we do shows every year. The pandemic hit. We survived by, I think, maybe you and Rachel's utter bravery. <laughs> You know, honestly, I think we got very lucky. You know, we had that roll-up door, which made it indoor-outdoor type classes mm-hmm. where a lot of studios, you know, you know, struggled. And we were able to also just have one class at a time and limit class sizes. So I think we're just lucky, to be honest, as far as that We're goes. lucky about the actual physical space that you guys had in the first place. And then, um, mm-hmm. you know, just that that personal anxiety about 
you know, just going to debt and I can't imagine. So I've, I'm grateful for that because if not, my practice would have really suffered too. But Brett, during the pandemic, he suffered a shoulder injury and it, it definitely like became a journey. Mm-hmm. It became a journey. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, about like the first week <laughs> I injured myself. So yeah, I was like, okay, pandemic, I'm gonna have all this time to train and then Next thing I know, I injured myself. So that changed the course of things. Yeah. So before I ask you about your injury, because this episode is mostly about your your injury and your recovery. But if you guys don't know Brett, I I personally, Carrie Wee feels like the world sleeps on Brett a little bit. And I I, I also have a, as a performer, because I, 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 my personal opinion without being your employee is that you're one of the best male aerialists in the world. I... I Whenever people say to me, like, can you teach me that thing Brett did? I was like, no, I can't. And I don't know how to do it. No idea. His his body does things that I don't know how it does it. And um, he's also one of the sweetest guys because there's a lot of male aerialists in L.A. and in the world. And there's, I want to say, the the commonality amongst all of them is, like, super crazy, like, machismo and ego, which you don't tend to have. So I don't tend to have it necessarily with others, but I tend to have it with myself, at least in the past. Sure. Maybe like know, beating, beating yourself up type story. of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but so, you know, he's just this enormous talent that's in our, you know, in my backyard all the time. And, and, um, so I'm going to include some videos. So if you don't know his, his practice, I'm going to share it with you. But no. so, Thanks, yeah, man. so it's 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 easy to look up to you and Rachel. It's very easy. It's not it's it's uh you guys are like what I love about working for you guys is that it doesn't feel constrained. Like I feel like I can be myself. And myself is a very yeah. very big big and very interesting personality that is kind of inappropriate half the time. So <laughs> <laughs> But that's what we love about you, Carrie. I mean, like, I wouldn't want to hold you back. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate not being held back. It's like the best part because I feel like, you know, for me, I, I go in there, you know, many days a week. And if you had to put on a, a different face, that would be tiring. So I'm super, yeah. super grateful that I can be myself there. But, um, okay, so enough about me. So, um, like I said, uh, I pretty much injured myself right at the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, it wasn't anything that happened suddenly. Um, it was, you know, most likely because I was training a lot during the week and it was on a Friday and I was conditioning as usual, but sometimes I get into these just power modes where I just condition, condition and condition and not necessarily listen to my body. I was also training, um, roll-ups and, as you know, roll-ups are very difficult and take a lot of uh, wear and tear on your shoulders if you don't upkeep your shoulder strength. So I wasn't necessarily doing my shoulder exercises that I should have been doing to um, you know, maintain stability and mobility in them. So I just kind of like, oh, I haven't done roll-ups in a while. I'll just work on those. So anyway, um, I was fine until I kind of went home that night. And the next couple of nights, I realized that it was hurting a lot at night and I couldn't really sleep on it. And over the next week, kind of gradually lost strength, um, which is a, generally a sign of a tear. 
So I kind of just didn't really think about it for a few weeks. And then after a certain point, I was like, I think something's pretty, pretty wrong with my shoulder. So I decided to get an MRI and um, they told me I had a anterior partial labral tear. So um, yeah, I did uh, rest it for a while and, um, but tears generally, you know, they, they hurt and they don't really get much better um, unless you do a ton of physical therapy and uh, which I did and it did get better, but over time, I just realized that it was never going to be the same, you know? So, um, I waited about a year before I had surgery and, um, yeah, a whole year. Cause I wanted to really, you know, build our online program. We had started creating silk stars at that point and, um, it just wasn't a good time. I was like, well, I can still train on this. You know, I can't do straight arm inverts. I can't do iron crosses anymore. Oh, you could, you could do some aerial. I could. Yeah. I was very fortunate. Like I only had a partial tear. I was still able to do a fair amount with bent arms, but you know, roll-ups are out of the question, iron crosses, even push-ups I couldn't really do. Oh, that's tough. It was just painful. And I just felt like I had no support in that shoulder, like just unstable completely. So yeah, I kind of just babied it for a year and just got through. But that also, I think, made my recovery harder because my body was kind of a wreck by the time I had surgery. Um, Cause it just was, I just kind of let it go to a certain extent, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to have the surgery. So I just don't have to keep it up perfectly, you know? Okay. And so what was the process with your doctor and your physical therapist to decide, like to get to the point where you're going to change course and get surgery? Mm-hmm. Cause I think a lot of people out there suffer from partial tears and it really depends on mm-hmm. like where the tear is and how bad it is and yeah. all of that. Yeah. What was that mm-hmm. process? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause if you have a partial tear in your, you know, rotator cuff, it's a lot less severe than if it's your labrum, you know, the labrum is what really connects the shoulder into the socket. So that's generally, you know, when people could do get surgery. So, um, yeah, I got the MRI. I talked to my doctor. Um, I actually just went to the one that was with my insurance, which, um, I could have looked around, you know, for other surgeons, but the one I found, through my insurance had done this a lot and he was a sports surgeon. So he just, he wasn't very comforting, but he also said like, I've done this a million times. So like to him, it was just like, whatever. So he wasn't one that (laughs) was like, I feel you. I understand what your needs are. He didn't do all that stuff. Not at all. He was very just by the book in and out, you know, made it sound like this was, you know, a walk in the park kind of thing. So in some ways that made me feel good, but I also kind of felt, alone where I didn't really know how to take care of it. Um, and I had to do a lot of that on my own, like figuring that out. Outside of, outside of PT, when it came to like everyday things. Yeah. 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 I mean, even in PT, because, you know, what we do is so high level and it's so extreme that, you know, I went to PT after surgery and it was so basic, you know, it was just, okay, let's make your arm go up and down into the side. Whereas I had all kinds of other issues going on with my body, you know, post-surgery, it's like your whole body tenses up. So Mm -hmm. there's all these other consequences to it 
Whereas you think, oh, I'll just get my shoulder back. No, you have to get your back to work. You have to stand up straight. You have to work on your flexibility, mobility, stability. It's like, it's a whole body process. At least it was for me. Yeah. And did you feel like Mm -hmm. you had, just from your own practice, did you feel like you had a good amount of tools? No. No. Okay. (laughs) Just, just wondering, just wondering. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird because, you know, I mean, I do mostly intermediate advanced stuff and I just kind of wasn't training or teaching the simple basic stuff that you really have to start with when you're coming back from surgery. So my, I was, my go-to is always to do more than I was ready for, if that makes sense. And also there's that ego of like, I should be more healed than I am now. So if I practice my physical therapy more, it means I'm going to get better faster, which is not always the case, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was the case for, I didn't go so far over what they wanted. You kind of, you kind of went too far too fast afterwards. Multiple times. Multiple times. Uh Can you be specific? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I had the surgery, um, about a year ago now, almost to the date. And for the first, you know, five, six weeks, you're just in a sling. So, you know, you really can't do much. It's really challenging, but, but, um, you know, the physical therapy is such a like basic, they're teaching you how to lift your arm up again. You know, like that's, you can't even lift your arm up past 45 degrees, you know, for a few weeks. And, and how painful was, was that first like six weeks of physical therapy? Um, it was painful, but also, you know, you can still move around, you can walk around, you know, it's more the emotional side of like not being able to use that arm. I felt more so it was difficult than the pain, but you know, it does hurt for sure. Um, but anyway, you know, the harder part was actually once you get the sling off and it actually started to feel better and I had, you know, range of motion going over my head again. Cause at that point I was like, well, I want to start training aerial again. You know, of course. And he even kind of like hinted that I would be ready to do aerial in like three months after surgery. So I kind of held on to that idea and I was like, okay, well, if he says so, then I can do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and in a lot of ways I kind of did, I was able to, you know, climb about three months in, but then I was like, well, then I can go for a jog. And I did that. And then my whole shoulder just seized up like it was worse pain that I had felt the entire time after that jog. And it scared me because I thought that I had retorn my shoulder. Oh. And um, so for the next few weeks, I was just, you know, we're in a really dark place. I was just, I was in pain and I didn't know what, what, what I had done, you yeah. know? So, and it was a jog. Um, it wasn't actually aerial loading that did it. So that's interesting. Yeah, it was just the impact of running on concrete because I was outside. I was like, I want to get some sun Mm -hmm. and jog in the sun. Yeah, and there's that whole mental health piece of it where you're Uh trying to keep yourself balanced. And so exercise, number one, is what it's done for for all of us forever. Exactly, yep. It's our outlet. And then, of course, you want to get outside to get that vitamin D and, you know, your serotonin to go up. No, I mean, um, it can get really it can get really dark in your mind. Like I remember there was, there was one point when, you know, this is 10 years ago, but after my leg surgery, Mm -hmm. I was learning how to walk again. 
And I don't know what it is about having a lower extremity injury that just makes you feel like, like the idea of having to raise your arm again is so basic, right? The idea of having to walk again, you know, it's something that we Mm -hmm. knew how to do when we were two years old. Mm -hmm. And um, my best friend, Meredith, kept on doing the tour that I had left. And she was like, you know, I'd see videos of her flying around for Taylor Swift. And I was relearning how to walk. Yeah. And I, I didn't think my heart could be more broken. Not because yeah. I was jealous of her, really? but because I wanted to be with her. Yeah, and you wanted to do it. And, uh, and, like, and do all of it. And, and now, not only am I not doing that, I can't walk. And so yeah. you are, you run an aerial business. Yeah. You literally run an aerial business. Like, what did that feel like to, I mean, obviously we're in the middle of pandemic and that may have helped. Did it help at all that everybody was kind of not doing anything? Maybe a little, I guess. But I mean, I, I think it would help me. Yeah. But I didn't really accept that as like a reason to not get back in shape. Cause I would always, you know, for 20 years been an aerialist. So for me, it was even more so for my mental health to get back in the air, to, feel, you know, confident again, which was interesting at the time because I just felt so vulnerable, you know, at that time. And I just needed, Ariel has been such a, you know, place that makes you feel yourself, especially if you do it regularly and it's a form of expression and, and a form of exercise. It's a form of identity for most of us. Yeah. And, um, I, I know that us ladies, you, Fred is surrounded by aerialist women who have toddlers now. Surrounded. <laughs> I am aware. Very quickly, too. It was like all at once. And so we <laughs> we definitely talk about that all the time where our identity have to shift. And I feel like you did not birth a child, mm-hmm. but going through an injury like this is kind of is the same-ish idea of having to like deal with that identity crisis when you can't do it. And then you… Mm-hmm you don't have the luxury of being able to be like, all right, I'm just not going to look at videos right now. I'm not going to be in it because I, you have to be because you're running the business. You're dealing with the students. You're dealing with the teachers. You're dealing with the studio. And when the toilet breaks down, you have to like (laughs) deal with all of of it. And there was a lot of stuff with the pandemic and the space. I, I just feel like emotionally that would have been really tough for me to be forced to deal with all the nitty gritty and the nuts and bolts of stuff. That's not fun about it. And mm-hmm. then not, not actually be able to do the fun part. Yeah. It's funny. I actually kind of enjoyed the business side of oh, it okay. because it was something I could do. <laughs> I was like, okay, I can at least run the studio and I can still be supportive to our students online. And it still gave me some you know, purpose. I think that was the challenge. And it's funny too, because you mentioned, you know, all, all of you guys had babies and, but for me, it was like, I almost needed to, um, raise this inner child in myself. Like as if I had this own baby that had been abandoned (laughs) and now I needed to comfort and raise this new child to be, you know, strong on its own without silks. (laughs) Yeah. It's a strange thing, but it was kind of like raising a child <laughs> during that recovery period. No, and I think a lot of people out there might feel feel uh, very resonant with that because, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of saying that you also have to be confident in yourself to say that that's a big deal. Because it it is for all mm-hmm. of us, but then 
when you actually bring a, like a human into the world, like I think more people understand that mm-hmm. than, than maybe what, but what you went through mm-hmm. and then having multiple times where you were like, okay, I'm going to get started back. And then you kind of hit a roadblock. Uh, I remember you also had some nerve issues in your neck. Yes. Yeah. So what was that? So that was, so that was honestly even worse to be honest, because about a couple of months after I had that whole jogging accident, um, I was going back to a physical therapist, new physical therapist. I was actually working with Christina Nakaya, who, you know, as fit and bendy, who's incredible. And she gave me all kinds of, you know, interesting new ways to build my body back. But, um, one of the exercises she gave me was a nerve gliding exercise because I had so much tension in my upper traps, neck area, from stress and from, you know, the arm and the sling and from the shoulder jogging thing. It was just, I had all this tension up there. So she was trying to get, you know, my shoulders to drop down and relax and kind of build more support and mobility around my shoulders. So I was doing this nerve gliding exercise. And of course she tells me, oh, do it once a day. And my ass goes, okay, I'll do it three times in one day, thinking that that was going to make me get better faster. And what it did was it completely aggravated or tore even possibly this nerve in the side of my neck and uh, my whole neck seized up and um, I had burning sensation down my arm. I couldn't turn my head to the left without neck spasms and um, I had to wear a neck brace for two months. I couldn't move my neck for two months straight Um, and the whole injury lasted about six months where I couldn't really do much aerial or anything at all. Um, without aggravating my neck. So it was almost like a separate injury. Yeah, it was. And it was my own fault because I just still had that mentality of more is better and not listening to my body. And, you know, and then I injured myself. So definitely learned a lot from that. Well, it's, it's like, this is all of us. We all have this impatience uh-huh. If I could find an aerialist that gets injured and doesn't have an impatience around the recovery, mm-hmm. I, I will never find that person. <laughs> never. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'll never yeah, find that person. And I think that's, yeah. it's part of the reason why, I mean, if you are in this, you got to be a bit obsessive because it's too hard to have that longevity and to be at that level for a long time. So this, mm-hmm. um, this mentality that we all have, it's kind of necessary, I think, after listening to many, many interviews as well. As a professional, of uh-huh. course, right? I mean, yeah. our job is to keep our body up and keep it, you know, prepared because you never know when a gig is going to come, especially as a freelancer, you know? Like we, we have to be act ready, you know? That's yeah. a responsibility you kind of take on in the professional world. So. Yeah, and I actually got stung by that recently. Not that I'm so sad about it because it was borderline one of these, like where it wasn't enough money anyway, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have like my ax ready. It was like last week. Oh yeah. Like it's been the pandemic. I don't have my ax fresh right now. Like I, I have like three or four ax and I cannot tell you the last time that I had them fresh. Like I don't have them fresh. And I know that you and Rachel just did a, um, did a club night in the last couple of weeks and you guys were prepping for it. Yeah. First show for me in over two years. So, yeah. So that was at a, a, a venue here in downtown LA and they yeah. had some, some like 
rigging like snafus because they, you know, the venue had rigged the point very, very close to an object in the room. A tree. Yeah. They hung us from a tree, like a man-made tree. Like a man-made tree. But so to them, it was like, it could look cool because it was hanging from a tree, but it was way too close to the tree. So they couldn't spin. Carrie, I'm 6'2", and it was like two and a half feet from this tree. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how am I supposed to not kick that? Okay, let me scratch that act and re-choreograph this act. And it was a lot. It was, I was like, oh, wow, this is a lot to do for a first gig back. So I, I relate to you. It was like, when you don't have your acts ready and you have to do it in a short amount of time, it's another level. Well, I also think that that's part of the reason why in a couple months you're going to have all your acts ready. Like you kind of, sometimes you need a reason. Yeah. Like, for example, last week I shot for Silk Stars with you guys. So this week I'm not doing any shoots. So if I wanted to, I could just like go head head first into one of these acts. Mm-hmm. Am I going to? <laughs> Check with me next <laughs> week. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I don't have, and I do have access. I'm lucky. Like I could go to Tanya's house and, you know, if I wanted a little bit more aerial time. But I've got a kid, you know. So, oh. I know you want to, she actually, like right before she went to sleep last night, she goes, mama, I want to go to Tanya's house out of nowhere. The last time she went to Tanya's house, it was like two months ago. Like that, her memory is really good. Anyways, total tangent, but. Maybe she wants to be an analyst. Or she wants to play with all of the toys that are there because they have like a million toys. They have way more toys than I have. Because uh-huh. Caper, um, Tanya's, Tanya's son, is a little older. They have tons of toys. She's obsessed. So I could go there and train. But it's kind of like if I had a gig this weekend for that act, I would have scheduled it already. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Well, same thing for me, you know? Like, we may have another gig at this place in another month, but I probably won't rehearse until right before, you know, a week or two before <laughs> it's hard, especially when you have other things, you know, we both have our own businesses. We have things we got to do. So it's, I get it. Like we, I generally wait to the last minute. Well. I mean, it's, you know, I, I just got to do it. So maybe, maybe my podcast listeners can be my accountability because I'll feel better when I have it done. So, how, okay, so tell me about your day. Because I'm actually personally very interested in this. Because Brett runs the, Brett runs the um, brick and mortar. He runs the studio. They, Rachel and him, they all cross over and do work. But Rachel really focuses on the online if they were going to, you know, they kind of have their realm. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us, I think this is really interesting too when Jill explained it to, for our audience. Like what, like how? Like, what are the nuts and bolts? Like, how how do you structure your day? How do you run the business? How do you do all of it? Because it's a lot of work. It is, but it's very funny because I listen to Jill's as well. And where, where we're very different is she's very organized and I'm very, like, spontaneous. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I learned a lot from her because— I, I kind of work on inspiration sometimes. And if the inspiration's not mm-hmm. going in the same direction as the calendar, the inspiration usually wins for mm-hmm. me. But yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear how you. Yeah, I think it's it's weird because my days change so much. I don't necessarily have like a regular schedule. Um, I try, 
Plus what we do in Womack and Bowman is so, uh, there's many different elements. So, you know, some days I'm going to be editing videos all the day for Silk Stars, whereas other days I'm like, you know, creating content, a lot of content for the videos or, you know, making a lot of phone calls and setting up guest teachers or, you know, managing a sale at the loft or some sort of promotion, helping Rachel prepare with that. So it's really kind of changes throughout the week. Some weeks are nice, you know, kind of slow and other weeks are super busy. So, um, but I think in general, you know, I try to do some computer work in the mornings and then afternoons are kind of my training days. I go to the studio sometimes to train then. And then, um, you know, I actually take a break in evenings and I'm a night person. So I'll work sometimes from like 10 to 1am. It's kind of like prime time sometimes for me. (laughs) I don't know why, but my brain's like ready to do like numbers. And I do a lot of the, like, you know, behind the scenes for Womack and Bowman. So I'll do like the, you know, crunching the numbers and stuff like that. So that's what I do. So, um, what is your favorite part about your job and what's the part that you're like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Um, let's see. I mean, obviously the aerial part and, um, the creativity part, you know, running your own business and having that freedom to kind of create is just amazing. But then I guess the hardest part is managing fear, right? Like being a business owner and trying all these things, you never know what's going to happen. So it takes a great amount of risk taking, especially you never know what's going to happen. So, um, managing fear, I think, yeah, that's, probably the biggest challenge for me and keeping that in check and making sure that I'm, you know, not holding myself back or, you know, making responsible decisions, um, things like that. So managing your own fear of if something's going to happen or if it's going to be successful or not. Yeah. Or just being like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Like that's out of my comfort zone or, you know, like I guess it's a matter of taking risks and, not letting that hold you back because Rachel and I, you know, we, we figured all this out trial and error. Neither of us went to business school. Neither of us really knew, you know, how to run a business. So a lot of it was just kind of figuring out as we go. So you can imagine we had a lot of, oh, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm really impressed generally with that element that you say is the hardest part because I feel like you guys really dive in. Like you guys are pretty brave from my standpoint when it comes to starting new things and just doing the work and, you know, and the success kind of follows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with the studio itself though? Because, you know, if there's different like versions of fear, but like you are in a, you're in a very hazardous business. We are in a very hazardous business. Yeah. Is that always in your mind? It is. Um, but also, you know, like, like having you and the rest of the teachers at the studio definitely eases that because I trust all of you and you're all brilliant. So, you know, as far as like the classes go, I feel really good about it. And I also love what we're doing, you know, I mean, we're creating this awesome community and everyone's getting to express themselves and dance in the air and 
It's wonderful. So like all of that makes it all worth it. But of course, in the back of your head, you're like, what if something goes wrong? What if somebody falls? What if some equipment fails? Like there's always those thoughts and, you know, as a business owner, you're responsible. So I definitely think about those things, but I try not to keep it, keep it from holding me back because I know deep down what we're doing is awesome. And um, it brings me so much joy at the same time. You yeah. Know? And I have to say, um, as, as an employee of Brett's, <laughs> so what I love is that Rachel's not my first point of contact because Rachel and I are friends, just friends. We, we were friends before any of this started. And it's nice that like I have a, a more of a boss that, that it's, it's a little bit different because me and Rachel, it can get a little bit complicated because we're such close friends. And Brett, we're friends, but he's, he's my boss first. And I call him sometimes. I think the last time I called him because I, I was freaking out about something, he was on the way home from a vacation. <laughs> I was. That's right. I was in the, I was in the flyaway. Like I was like trying to talk quietly. Cause I'm like, I'm doing a business call right now. <laughs> like he's on a bus from the airport back, back to the Valley. And I'm like on the phone. I'm like, I need to talk to you in five minutes. Are you there? And it was because a student did something weird and they didn't know where they were in the air. And I was just, it freaked me out. It just freaked yeah. me out because as as much hours as I put in at that studio, it's like something's going to happen sometimes. Sometimes. Yep. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And that's normal. I think everybody has experienced that as a teacher. You know, it's... Yeah. It's nerve wracking. Yeah. Know? And usually I'm pretty chill in the studio and I'm laughing and having fun, but something, some stuff happens and he's the first person I call. And to your credit, you're the business owner. And I think that you could take on a lot of that stress and like, kind of like mirror it right back at me, but you don't, you don't, you just listen and you tell me it's going to be fine. <laughs> and and it is, and it is usually, and I think that's really hard to do because we're in a hazardous business and you're managing everybody's personalities. I mean, I'm, I'm really reliable when it comes to showing up, but like, I'm an emotional person, you know, and I, and I admit to it. So, you know, and then you have me times however many staff members you have. So that's a lot of people. And then to be yeah. dealing with all of that, the last two years, plus the pandemic, plus you had this injury. It's just a lot, I think. It is, but I think all of it, you know, I mean, I think I've always been a compassionate person, but I think that even as a business owner, you really, you have to be because, you know, things are going to happen and it's just, it's important that we stay connected with each other and support each other because it's, it's just too hard to take on these things alone. You know, it's just, it's a lot that can possibly happen and different personalities and different people's, you know, we'll try things during class and who knows they might hurt themselves. And it's just kind of the name of the game, you know, and I want to be there to support you through that because at the end of the day, as long as, you know, everybody's okay, it's going to, everything's going to work out, you know? You know, I've worked for studios before and the owner does not have my back. And that is the number one reason I left out of all the other reasons. Oh my God. I make this, this podcast about me all the time and I don't mean to do it. So looking forward. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh my goodness, Bean. Looking forward. Um, tell us how your shoulder is now. I'm probably going to meet myself after I ask this question. 
because she's really mm-hmm. excited right now. Um, yeah. Uh, tell us how the shoulder feels now, what you're doing for it, what kind of maintenance you have to do on it, um, especially for those mm-hmm. people out there with labrum tears and, you know, what that's like to maintain an injury that even has been, you know, surgically fixed. But, it, yeah, yeah, it kind of never ends, I'm assuming. Yeah. So I guess after my neck injury, I had to really take my time with the shoulder. And um, so that took almost six months. And I just had my first gig a couple weeks ago. So I had to get back in shape pretty quickly for that. I managed to kind of get performance ready in about a month, I'd say. Um, But during that time, you know, I've really changed the way I've trained. I used to kind of you know, maintain everything. Um, but now I'm really focusing on the tiny details of my body, which I had never done before and listening to my body. So what I do now is a lot of TheraBand work, a lot of, um, light weights. I'll do a lot of different shoulder exercises, isolations, um, uh, I do a much longer warm up now <laughs> before any training session. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. I kind of feel like I'm, um, learning new things about my body by taking things slower. Whereas I used to just, you know, push through much faster. I'm also training, um, some Pilates as well as gyrotonics. Um, I don't know if you, you know, Tavy Sturtz, but he's teaching me some gyrotonics. Oh yeah. I know Tavy. Tavy and Jane. Yeah. yeah. They have deconstruction arts. Yeah. Yep. And, um, Tavy is such a sweetheart and he's, you know, aerialist dancer as well. And he's just teaching me all these different things on gyrotonics, which are helping me open up space. Whereas I think in aerial, sometimes we get very compacted, like the muscles kind of can weigh us down, especially in the shoulder area. Whereas everything in gyrotonics is about creating space and opening up, you know, mobility and, and it just, it feels really good. So I think that um, I'm going to keep working on that and working on, um, yeah, exploring different movement styles and just learning in general, because I think for a long time, I, I didn't like ask for help or go reach out to others for knowledge. Whereas now I think I'm much more open to that and excited about that training with others and learning more because once you're injured, you're like, I really don't want this to happen again. So I'm going to keep on that road of um, discovery and learning new techniques to, you know, prevent injury in the future. Yeah. Um, when it comes to your flexibility or and your strength, what, what what was harder to build back? And are your shoulders, are they as flexible as they were before? Flexibility, I would say yes, um, are feeling pretty good. Um, it's maybe slightly less flexible than my right. The one that had, um, surgery is slightly less flexible, but just by a little bit, I did work a lot on that, um, early on to gain that mobility back. Um, strength wise, I don't think I'm back to hundred percent yet. Um, but also I had such a slow road to recovery compared to some other aerialists maybe who didn't have the same, you know, hiccups along the way. Um, so I'm still building strength. Um, but now that I kind of have some time and I don't have a show coming up, that's like my goal now is to just really build strength. 
And so are you, are you so, back to what you would normally do pre-injury, like when it comes to like um, the amount of sessions you do per week? Um, the amount of training you do? Not quite, okay. but almost. Okay. I'm up like two times a week now. My goal is to get back to three times a week. Um, but, uh, but what's great is, you know, when I was injured, I had that tear. I couldn't do any drops. I couldn't do any, you know, push-ups or anything. And now it's like, I know I can do all those things again and it doesn't hurt. So I'm excited to like, you know, I did a double star for the first time in like two years. Practically. I was like, okay, my shoulder feels good. So now's the time for me to, yeah, take it to the next level. So I'm excited. You know, my ankle is pretty much, I would consider a hundred percent, but it's like, it doesn't surprise me if there's here and there something because it was, it went through this trauma, you know, so I'm sure things will come up here and there, but hopefully it'll be manageable and it won't be like. Yeah. Yeah. Because even after that show we did, you know, I had a little bit of tendonitis, I think from pushing it a bit and, um, but I've been icing it and it seems to be responding well. So yeah, like old injuries definitely have flare ups and it's important to baby them and listen to them and, make sure you don't, you know, overdo it. And do you think that the partner work is more aggravating to it or the actual, your own stuff with just you up there? I would say my own stuff for sure. What Rachel and I does is, you know, there isn't a lot of impact dynamic. I'm doing mostly basing with her. So that feels pretty good to me. It's definitely the, you know, drops, roll-ups, thrashing dynamic stuff that I tend to get too excited. And <laughs> of course, that's what we all, uh, that's what we all do because I mean, the act that you guys did with that damn tree two feet away, you know, you're, uh, you're, yeah. you're basing her and you guys are doing hand grips and like changing grips. But like, I can imagine if you're basing, you're looking down at her, you can really like really engage your shoulders correctly. And it, yeah. it's like slow enough. Whereas like, your silks work mm-hmm. is just like a tornado. Your rope work is like yeah. a tornado. And um, yeah. I know that in your mind, you're protecting yourself as you're doing it, but it's just, you know, there's only so much you can protect when you're performing yeah. like that. There's only so much you can protect. Yeah. And something that I really love about Ariel and I'm passionate about is transitions. And I think that transitions that are too slow or just kind of clunky really irk yeah, me. Yeah, but you're not interested <laughs> in doing that. You want to... Yeah. yeah, you want to have that syncopation and that speed going into it. I always teach um, the choreography where you're in a footlock and the opposite hand is up and you go around the pole. Uh-huh. I call that bow. So when I'm teaching that, I was like, if you guys remind me to find this video of Brett doing this in a performance, I think it was outside, it was windy. Oh, yeah, and yeah. you have your hand attached. And because I'm always trying to ask them to bring their hips way far out, right? But they're like, yeah. my grip, my grip. I was like, yeah, but we build it, we build it. And they're like, but what do you mean by far? I was like, okay, wait, let me find this video of Brett doing this particular choreography because I swear you were so far. Like you swung out so far. You did like multiple pirouettes before you hit the next pose. Uh-huh. And that's like always my example of how to do this technique correctly. Yeah. Well, yeah, you need that space to dive through or yeah. you know, you could be stuck. And so that's hand grip, but then like how did how did your shoulder do with that twisting motion? 
That's one I haven't honestly explored so much yet. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and, and it's your right or left hand? Yeah. Which it's one? On my left. It's your left. Yeah. So that, if you're, are you right footlock based normally? I am, yeah. Okay, so, it would be your left hand, left shoulder then. Yeah. Okay. So basically, just to clarify, you're talking about a crochet hand grip, a one-arm crochet. One hand hand grip. One-arm crochet grip when you're in a regular footlock and like going around the pole. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's what I'm talking about. That's a lot of shoulders. It's a lot sure. of shoulders. It's a lot of grip. It's a lot of shoulders. And you do it the, you do it the best that I've seen. So um, I got to find that. You, I don't know if you have that video anywhere, but I'll probably put that, since we're talking about it, put that mm-hmm. video up. Um, yeah. So that's something that you'll get to because I'm sure, I'm sure with your injury, you have worked in things in your practice currently that are not super extreme on your shoulder, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. I've been babying it. Are you, are you doing skin the cat? Yeah. A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Yep. Yep. But like skin the cats, that crochet arm grip, one arm stuff that I'm still kind of easing into. I just, you know, after everything I've been through, I'm like really careful. (laughs) Right. It's not worth it to injure yourself and put yourself back six months just because you got excited about one thing. We'll see. We'll see though. Maybe in a few months when I feel stronger. I'll get back into that. And were you ever the guy who did like reverse meat hook and like flag? Yeah. You were that person. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yep. Reverse meat hook. I do it on silks. You can do it on silks with a little bit of support if you have a wrap. Uh-huh. So I've been kind of like diving into that a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you can build back with like any kind of straps or bands to work on those, that's what I would recommend because it's, you don't want to just jump, you know, zero to 60 in you know, a short amount of time when you're coming back from an injury. So I've definitely eased back into those things for sure. Okay. I, I'm really glad we got into the specifics because I know a lot of my listeners who go through these injuries, they're looking for that. They're mm-hmm. looking to be like, okay, who did what, when, yep. and how does that feel on me? You know, um, mm-hmm. I had somebody write me recently who, she just found out she was pregnant and she has three more three months left of a contract. Oh wow. Yeah. And she was like, I've gone through all your episodes and no one gives me the exact answer. <laughs> it's just like, okay, uh, wait. Yeah. So let me break down what I've gathered from from all of my interviews. And I hope that helps. And she did say it <laughs> it did help, but she's like, yep. the doctor's not gonna know. I'm like, yeah, that's true. They're not. And it's, no one's really gonna know unless you no. are really, you know it's really up to you. You have to be aware of your own body and that's not always, you know, easy to read as well. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's anecdotal evidence. There's like, you know, people like you and me talking about our injuries, but at the end of the day, we have to be more mindful and more aware of our own bodies than anybody else in the world. Like you, you know, your body the best. Exactly. And then you take all the information that you can gather and you try to make a good decision for yourself. Um, and then remind yourself that there is time. There is time. There is and time. that's something I learned too. It was like, there's time. And it's so wonderful now to finally allow myself that freedom, you know, cause it really comes down to your own head of like, I need to get back by this point or this, mm-hmm. or this, you know, and that's none of that's really true. You know, it's not worth re-injuring yourself, you know, it's just, yeah. I had a student ask me when I, 
when I was the strongest I've ever been. I was like 2022, December. <laughs> like I'm hoping, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to say that the strongest I've ever been was five years ago, but it is currently, but I want to yeah. get back to that place. But you know, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a, like a head, sorry, being head fuck. It's a, totally. And then, um, but then I look at people like Drea yeah. and I'm like, well, there's time. There's totally time. So mm-hmm. there is definitely time. There are airless in our silk stars program who are in their sixties. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, which I might see them very soon because we do the Q and a, and I can help answer your questions. That's it's almost like you planned that segue. I know you did. <laughs> so Brett, so um, this is great timing because silk stars opens for registration. They open it maybe twice a year. Brett, give me the dates of the open registration for Silk Stars for this time around. Yeah, so we're going to be opening up on Thursday, the 31st. And um, just for a short amount of time, we only open up for a few days. So um, if you're interested, definitely look into that. Yeah, there's going to be a link in the show notes. I have my own code. Carrie Wee has her own code. And uh, you can you can click on there and find all the information out. Brett, can you tell us a little bit about what Silk Stars is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Silk Stars is an online membership site. And for intermediate advanced level Silks artists, we teach a new combination each month. And um, we also have a mini rig version. So if you don't have enough height, we have a basically a second combination for you who you can, that you can learn. And then we also have a ground workout each month as well as a um, demonstration of the combination to music. And um, each month, it's all new content. We have guest teachers that come and join us occasionally, like you, Carrie Wee, next month. Very excited. Um, The program also comes with a live Q&A each month where we go over all of the questions um, from the forum. We have an online forum where you can post questions at any time and connect with other airless around the world. And then, um, yeah, we go over them at the Q&A and go into much further detail, anything you guys need to know about these combinations. Because at the end of the month, you uh, can film and submit your combination and post it on your profile inside the website. And then we're going to give you reviews and stars at the end of the month. So you can get one to five stars, depending on you know how you executed the combination. We look for things like technique and form and style and presentation. So we definitely encourage expression and performance quality. Um, so if you're new to that, this is a great program to kind of learn how, you know, Rachel and I go on Instagram all the time and, you know, improvise to music, our combination. So we're really trying to encourage the rest of the community to really, you know, embrace this art form versus just doing, you know, a silk sequence just doing the technique of it, right? Like there's so much more you can do with it as far as artistry. So we encourage that with the program and um, we want to reward everyone in the program for doing so. So you can earn prizes as well. So say you earn 25 stars, you're going to get a bonus video or, you know, something special will be sent to you. So it's a really cool program. Um, I really love it. And I love everyone in in the program too. Everyone's like super into it and, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome that you can get feedback because, mm-hmm. you know, if you just learn something on your own and there's no community around it. And the other thing that's really great is that, you know, our studio is very focused on dancing in the air. And I think this is one of the biggest mm-hmm. 
biggest questions I get from more advanced students is how yeah. do I learn this? And regardless of your style, you have to practice doing it. Yes. You have to practice doing it. You're never going to find it if you don't practice it. It's not just like a tip. Yes. You have to do it. And so this is a, there's a lot of ways to do that. This is a really great way to have a little structure around that. So. Exactly. And we got, we try to like emphasize within the combination where a good place is that you can add flair, you know, because sometimes students will get lost. Like I just, I want to add style and personality, but I don't know when to do it or where to do it. And there are actually specific places in the air that are better than others to like, you know, add some extra pizzazz. So we try to really break that down for our students. I love that. And there's going to be a code in the show notes. You guys just go look down in the show notes for that. You can click to it and it'll go straight to Silk Stars and you guys can register and see your favorite podcaster. Yes. Carrie in Weed April. Running the show. I can't wait. We were shooting yeah. and like they they were because they're trying to figure out how to like make it consistent, like production wise. So they're uh-huh. like, Gary, do it again. And just less, less. <laughs> they actually didn't tell me that. That's I, no. I, no, because I like to talk. I love, I have a podcast. I, I love to yeah. talk and I love like giving specifics. I'm super passionate about it. So it was, it's always fun working with you guys, but yeah, Silk Stars is great for like, if you're out there, maybe you don't have um, local teachers you can go to and it's hard to travel sometimes. It's a really great way to challenge yourself with different combinations and sequences without just doing the thing where you look it up online and like guess. Cause like we're giving full instruction, safety, safety requirements, everything. That is, that was a big reason. I'm like, I just, I worry about people learning off of YouTube, you know? I mean, there's so many things that have so many details to them. Oh my God. Yes. So it's important to learn safely for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the future, right? Like so many yeah. people now are learning online. Yeah. We all, we all have our version of it where, you know, we have our platforms that are great for uh, different types of aerialists, you know? So I really am excited for you guys. I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, and then, you know, I think about how many cues I want to give for a, a sequence that basically has two main parts. And then I think about people doing stuff off the internet. Like if you miss that one hand grip at the wrong place— like it could change the whole thing. It's super dangerous, you know? Yeah. So I think it's a really great way for people to get challenged, um, you know, safely. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was so much fun shooting with you, Carrie. I think they're going to love your combo. Oh my so. God. I'm so psyched for people to see it. And then, um, and then I'm really excited for people to hear your story because, uh, you know, even the email, you guys sent out an email talking about your shoulder injury. And I was going to say, yeah, if you want to hear more details of my, you know, mental health issues that went along with it, I definitely go in more details. So, um, oh, in the, in the blog. Yeah. Yeah. And a few more details too about like, you know, different things I did physically. So yeah, go into our blog, our websites, wellmackandbowman.com. Cool. And they can read all about it. Um, yeah. Awesome. And if you're ever in LA for a, a trancation, I think they call it, mm-hmm. come stop by and come take, come take class at the loft. I'm there. Yeah. I'm there every week. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, thank you, Brett. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Brett, for being here. Loved having you on. So much fun. And check the show notes for both the registration for the mini course and the Silk Stars code. So excited for you guys to see that combination I've got for you. And I do a 
dance too. I teach you guys uh, modern dance at the beginning. All right. So if you would please honor me with a five-star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcasts, find me on Instagram at Carrie one and on Twitter at Carrie underscore we. I'm so excited for you guys to be here. I appreciate you. I love you guys. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next time. This is the Podcast. Thank you.